Welcome to the Gift of Life podcast, where we have conversations about organ tissue and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. And I'm Nyla Schwab. Coming up on episode 199 of The Gifted Life. We'll be talking to a couple of our partners in donation who will be joining us in studio to talk about drowning prevention and safety. And we'll also be talking about the word congruency, which means really just, are you being real? Ooh, are you? All right, all that and more right here on The Gifted Life. Stay tuned. Here on The Gifted Life podcast, we are so excited to have in-studio guest. Welcome to Chris Noblock. He's a forensic death investigator with the St. Tammany Coroner's Office. Welcome. Thank you Thanks for, uh, for coming. having me. Yeah. And we also have Kristen Sanderson. She's with the Louisiana Office of Public Health. She's an injury prevention manager. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We appreciate it. We love the smiling faces, the the buzz in the studio. And we're talking about a serious topic that impacts families across the state, really across the country. It does, Laurie. And, and it's unfortunate we see it here at LOPA because, uh, unfortunately, children, one of, one of the, and I'm sure we'll go through the statistics, mm-hmm. but one of what we see uh, a large number of is drownings from, from children, at least significantly more than we would, you know, expect to see. Uh, and so we see it. It touches us, our, our, our family support staff that goes out and supports families. It's always difficult working and supporting families. It's especially difficult working and supporting families that of children who've passed away from a drowning, uh, especially of the children that are one to four years old. So it's great to have you guys in here. Obviously, we work with you guys on a number of levels. Uh, especially work with the coroner's office every every time there's uh, every time there's a death. Uh, of course, uh, the coroner may be involved if, if there's anything suspicious or a- accidental. Uh, but we always contact as at LOPA. We always contact the coroner's office for clearance uh, in order for organ donation to take place. So we work closely with with these guys, and it's great to have our partners here with us in studio. Yeah, and Chris and Kristen, do you want to tell us how you guys um, interact as well? So I know that there is a child death review panel. Why is that important, and what roles do you guys play? Can you all talk about that? Yeah, so um, the Louisiana Child Death Review Panel is legislatively mandated, and it requires that the Department of Health and our Bureau of Family Health review all unexpected child deaths for children under the age of 15. And the purpose of that really is to understand the circumstances around those deaths and to really try to make recommendations for prevention. So we oversee the state-level panel, and then there's also a panel in each of the nine regions. They review all the cases, and then some of those get kind of funneled up to the state panel. So I don't know, Chris, if you want to talk a little bit about how the regional panels function. From a regional standpoint, both Dr. Preston and I um, serve on the regional panel once a quarter, and we review the stats. Uh, we review several cases. I think the most important thing to remember is that uh, we don't just deal in death. We, we like to prevent deaths from occurring. Mm-hmm. So it's really important for, for us as coroners to understand um, exactly what where the problems are, and uh, this is just one of the ways we do that is participating in the child death review panel. And uh, all of us here on the Gifted Life crew um, are are parents. And so um, when we started prepping and started learning some of these statistics, 
I mean, staggering, uh, jaw-dropping over here. So we want to share some of those with you guys and then talk about some of that prevention. Like, how can we help each other? And some of them sound like common sense, but um, some of them don't. So we really want to start having that conversation. Um, But I liked how you said pool safety is a year-round issue, not just summer, right? That's correct. Whenever I talk about this issue, I I start off by, lead off by saying, you know, that that the pool is there in January, just the same as it is in June. And so it is a, it's a hazard year around. So if you have a toddler who doesn't know how to swim or a toddler that toddles out, gets away from the house, uh, gets out the doggy door, we've talked about that, um, and just toddles towards the pool, if the, if the proper protection is not in place around that pool, then that, that child is going to toddle into the pool and and become a tragedy. And then is drowning the number one cause of accidental death for littles? One to four years of age. Yeah, children one to four years of age have the highest risk of drowning. Just going to pause for a moment. I mean, that's a staggering statistic, right? So the number one, and you and you think about it, um, and then you think, oh, I have the fence, and I have the the pool toys put aside, but it could be as simple, they got past the gate or something like that, right? Right. They could even get out the doggy door. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that kids can get um, out away from the house and out to the, the pool area. So if nobody's there watching it or there aren't the protections in place, um, the physical barriers in place to keep that child out of the pool, then you're going to have a tragedy. And so we had a, a, a pool party at our house, and we had some some teenagers that were the pool watchers, right? Like that's, oh, that's your, your main job, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we had so many people in the pool at a time, and I had my, my son was little at the time, and we had the steps, and that's where he stayed, right? But he was taking his lessons, and he stepped off that last step and went under, and we're all talking. To, and so one of the littles picked him up and said, oh, he was under the water. It happened that fast. We were that Very close. Fast. We had the pool watchers. So we had the pool, like all the safety things. Um, and, and it happened. And it still happened. Yeah. Yeah. That happened to us too. And then it was a jacuzzi where people were sitting around the jacuzzi and stepped off the, the little seat ledge and the, the child couldn't scream or, or make noise. And it was just, he was just frozen because he was scared. And we, and nobody noticed it. And so he was just picked up and he was fine. But it is right. very scary that you are you can be right there and it's still, you know, there's, there's danger. There's additional hazards when you bring up um, jacuzzis and those types of devices. There's additional hazards in there that, that actually focus around the drain where the drain will actually catch a child's hair or their bathing suit and, and um, hold the child down. So that's another thing we could discuss at, at length. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, the fact that it's the number one cause of death for... Uh, little ones, one, one to, to four. four, and that's where Cam was when this happened, be- <laughs> and just that quick. So, uh, Kristen, what what are we talking about? Like, how many how many deaths in Louisiana, and and like, what are the statistics as far as that's concerned? Sure. So, an average of about nineteen children under the age of fifteen. So, remember, we're talking about kind of younger kids um, die each year in Louisiana. Um, we were seeing this number decline over several years, but in twenty twenty, we saw a pretty dramatic increase in the number of child drowning deaths. So, we went up to twenty five. And then, unfortunately, last year we stayed at 25 deaths. Um, there was a national kind of trend that, that saw something similar, and we're, we're guessing it's due to COVID and more people staying home. We talked about more people getting pools. Um, but, yeah, it's really unfortunate. And in 2020, Louisiana had the highest child down, drowning rate in all of the U.S. Um, so we're not doing so great here in Louisiana. Well, we're outside. And it's just part of what you do. Like if you're having a, a party, especially around the summer, there's going to be water involved at some point. So um, so that's why we focus on safety, right? That's the whole point of, of what you guys do. Um, and you had some great safety tips, and I thought I was following all of them, but then I was writing down what you were saying, and I was like, I could could always do more, always do more. I think one of the things I'll reiterate is that 
something that you said was that it happens so fast and it happens silently. It's not like on television where you see somebody drowning, um, struggling and splashing and, and yelling, help, help, help. Right. Yeah. They, they just slide under the water. And, mm -hmm. and that's not only children, it's also adults. So you'll many of these cases that we see actually involve a, a pool full of people. Right. And, and then one person or one child just all of a sudden isn't there and they look down at the bottom of the pool and there's that person. So, um, you know, that's we have to be really vigilant about that. Your pool watchers have to be designated. They have to be just solely concentrating on the pool and nothing else. No distractions, no cell phones. Like that is their one job is to have eyes on the pool. Yep. And then some other things that we talk about is, is of course, even though kids, you know, in the summertime, if you're home and the kids want to go swimming, even though they, they know how to swim, it's really not a good idea to leave them unattended. We want you to not leave them unattended because that some an accident can happen, a child can fall and hit their head. Um, anything like that. Of course, nobody's ever supposed to swim alone, but um, there are other things that can happen even to children who, who know how to swim well. Um, so we recommend that, that they be monitored um, during that period of time as well. And then I think the most important thing is protecting your pool year-round um, and, and protecting it, providing that barrier for that, that toddler not to get in the pool, and that is to have your pool line fenced. And a lot of people think that, yep, I've got my, my yard fenced, that's all I need to do, you know, so that the neighbor kids can't get into my pool. But the truth is that that pool really needs to be isolated on four sides, and it has to have a gate that's self-locking so that when that gate closes, it automatically locks. So that um, during that, the times that people aren't in the pool, the, the pool is protected and somebody can't um, toddle into the pool mm -hmm. um, unexpectedly. So that's a really important um, safety device that has to be in a pool. Um, in addition to that, you can have pool alarms. They, they float in the pool, and when the water's disturbed, it'll set off an alarm inside your house. That's another one. Um, and then also a non-climbable barrier so that that fence that you're going to actually put in is, is something that kids can't climb over the top of. And those pools, you know, there are specific fences that are designed for pools um, that can be professionally installed, and that's what we recommend as well. One of the things we did was the swimming lessons is what I was just yeah, going to add to the say, conversation. Swimming lessons are incredibly important and each children's like each child is very different. Some children can start a little at a younger age than others so it's you know be mindful of what age but we need to get every child to have swim lessons. It's so so important. I think one of the things that surprised me a lot when I took this job and have seen a number of drownings not only children but adults is how many people don't know how to swim even mm -hmm. adults that don't know how to swim. That's true. And yeah. so adult that doesn't know how to swim has children and they're most likely not going to teach their child to swim either because they're afraid of the water. My mom couldn't swim, um, and that's why it was so important that I learn how to swim. So they made the investment, although we didn't have a lot, to make sure that I, I did it. So I'm passing that on. But you mentioned COVID earlier. Um, so my little my little uh, girl uh, was taken, the, is it ISR, the infant safety rescue, something like that, to teach them to flip over if mm -hmm. they were to accidentally fall in there. Yeah. And so she was taking it and things were going great. And then COVID hit and all that was shut down. And then right. we were by ourselves with a pool, but it had a fence on it, you know, and so you think you, you, think of all these things, but we just never got the opportunity to finish the class. Um, so we followed up with those swimming lessons at, at the local area. And they fill up really fast, I think, because all this information that you guys are, are pushing out. So I think that's a really great thing to, to do. You, do. you guys did swimming lessons? Is that a thing that you're growing up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. I mean, my dad didn't know how to swim, but my mom, same way. She just said, you have to learn how to swim if you're going to be around the kids who are swimming. And so he learned enough about swim. But that was so many years ago. Right. And so now to hear that they make something that you can put in a pool that sounds an alarm, mm -hmm. that's crazy. I, I never even knew that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's beautiful that y'all are here 
you know, getting that awareness out and that LOPA can be part of that because we do, I work with families after donation and we have so many, so many families that say they just don't want that to happen to anyone else if that's something they're struggling with that they've lost their loved one. And so they're looking for ways to get involved to help educate other families about drowning and pool safety and water safety. So I don't know if there's ever like a place that, you know, that you we, I could refer them to or um, wanting to help other others to learn. The Red Cross uh, is doing a lot with um, swimming lessons and water mm-hmm. safety. That might be the, a really good place to start is, okay. the, is contacting the Red Cross. Also, the uh, you may contact the YMCA. I mm-hmm. don't know what their programs are, but but that's another good organization that that uh, focuses on teaching people how to swim. That's really good to know because, I mean, I think donation, one thing that we really talk about is meaning-making. And so for some a family who struggled with a loss to um, drowning or looking for ways to help others. So can y'all tell me more because, you know, I find that um, some people, like you said, they don't even have access to pools. So they're not thinking. I mean, they may not have the money for swim lessons. They may not have. They may not think they're ever going to be around water. So why should they do anything with pool safety if that's not something that they're familiar with? Well, I think, first of all, that we're in South Louisiana. I think we're always around water at one point or another, whether it's um, intentional or by accident, we're going to be around water. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's really important to note that, that not everybody has that ability to get out to a swimming pool and learn how to swim when they're young. Um, and unfortunately, there's some disparities in that arena with uh, from a racial standpoint. Um, about 40% of kids who are Caucasian really don't know, know how to swim, and that's a staggering amount. But even more staggering is that about 45% of of Hispanic kids don't know how to swim, and 64% of African-American kids don't know how to swim. So the Red Cross, I know, is working, addressing that, and they're working real hard at, at making that uh, a better figure. So um, I think that, that if you want to learn to swim, call the Red Cross. Oh, I think that's great. That's great. That is. It's, it's great to, to, again, because, you know, growing up, I learned how to swim. Uh, you know, I, I went to swimming lessons. My mom took me. Uh, we had a friend who had a pool who actually taught the swimming lessons. But, you know, as an adult, uh, I have a two-year-old, and uh, we were we sold a house. We were looking to rent, and there were very few. It was only actually at the time. This was last year when there was nothing available. And one of them had a swimming pool, and uh, and there was no gate. that you, There was no fence around uh, the swimming pool. It was, it was the door you opened up. There was a fence around, like you mentioned, the, 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 the whole area, yeah. but not the swimming pool itself. And my wife refused to... to to even entertain that. And it was the, like outside of that, it was by far the best house that we could have gone to. And she said, I will have nightmares. I'll never be able to sleep at night. You know, at, at the time, Blakely was just turning one. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so we didn't get it. And then and then this year, she was still one. She just turned two a, a couple weeks ago. She was still one. My wife's biggest focus was we are getting her into that class, into that safety class. So she said she can at least learn how to learn how to flip on her on her back and so we did that those are hard to watch they are hard to watch amazing Uh, because it happens and and it works but yeah hard to breathe watching those videos yeah well i had to yeah i had to i had to step off and step away because she was you know it was my fault that she was you know doing that apparently according to her (laughs) daddy (laughs) 
but but it was a great thing to go through, and we recognize that we we actually talked to the to the owners and the you know the, the program director, and we're going to bring her right back there as soon as things warm up again next year, so that she can finish that. But but you talked about the the lack of access. It's great to see that uh, that Red Cross is is doing something, uh, you know, is being proactive and and able to to address some of those disparities that are clearly there in the access to 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 pools and swimming lessons themselves. I am also curious with you guys and, and with the, the review panel. So you talked about some of the statistics. So are there certain trends that kind of said, you know, that, that brought got your attention to say, man, this is seems like over the last couple of years, besides the numbers, you, you talked about, you know, 19 a couple of years ago and then 25 the last couple of years. Were there any uh, trends in, in circumstances and things that, yeah. that drew your attention and said we need to be looking at this further? Yeah, so the la- the latest child death review report we have looks at data from 2018 to 2020, and in that we had 58 kids under 15 that drowned. Um, something that's interesting because we're talking a lot about swimming pools, and you mentioned not having ac- access to swimming pools, but of those deaths, only 54% occurred in swimming pools. So that means almost half occurred in other kinds of water. So that's 25 in natural water, and then 21 in other, and that includes like bathtubs, buckets. Um, canals, things like that. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, not having access to a swimming pool, but a lot of, of these child deaths aren't actually happening in swimming pools. So it's good to, to mention. That's um, good to know. And then we also know based on some risk factors. So of those cases, 96% of the kids that drowned did not know how to swim, which just goes back to the importance of the swim lessons. And we also know 84% were not supervised and then a little over half did not have those barriers. So just showing that those risk factors are, you know, the major Mm -hmm. things and and kind of hit at with the major prevention topics that we're talking about today. I just wonder how much the the general public even realizes how much is going behind the scenes. Like I did not know that there was a child death review by the state. And I didn't know that like our, our regions with, within our state are, are looking at that type of death too. And then looking at ways to educate our, our population. So, I mean, to me, that's, that's incredible. Um, so I really am excited that y'all are here that we can get this information out to, to listeners. One of the things when I was little, um, listening to all this, like I was scared to sweat, like my mom was scared to go near the water. We go to the beach, but we would sit far back in the sand, right? And then I would go and play and you could see her like this anxiousness, right? And then I got to the water while I had that same anxiousness because it was a scary place. And I would take swimming lessons, but I'd dip in the water and you, you get these drills down. And then it was time to get into the deep end. And my... Um, swimming instructor had a, a t-shirt over her swimsuit and you were supposed to dive in. Like It was like you did all these lessons and, and here's the big finish. So I couldn't do it. <laughs> like I just froze, like that fear uh, was there. And so um, they put me in the water, put me in the middle of the water, she took off her shirt because I kept grabbing for the, like so vivid as you guys are talking. But I too didn't have a, a pool or access to water. Um, and it was about 25 miles. So my mom would bring us there every day during the summer so that we can learn to swim. So I finally made it, crying, but I finished the, the class and had to go back next week. We signed up for another <laughs> lesson. But uh, just that anxiousness, that fear, like the water, like I could do it where I could reach because I was safe. But then you put me in the middle of that deep water and I just froze. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's, it's the opposite for so many children. They're curious. Mm-hmm. They have no fear or they think, well, I'll just go in a little 
a little bit, but not too far. And then there's currents when you get to rivers and just all sorts of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. So it's that that child who's so fearless that that it can just be I don't know. Yeah, things can happen that My we just don't pushes expect. It. I say, you can't go past this rope. Well, she, nah, I think I can do it. I'm going to go past the next rope, you know. And you want the kids to be curious. And you want right. them. Right. Kids are curious. And, that's, <laughs> yeah. and it's up to adults. It's up to the caregivers and the adults and the parents and the people around kids to, to be responsible, right? It's not it's not the, on the kids. Yeah. So now they're little fishes, <laughs> which we appreciate. But, I mean, yours is young. Yeah, she's two. She just turned two. And she is that fearless child. Like, she doesn't. There's nothing she's scared of. She's, you know, when she was just turned one, she, you know, she insisted. And of course, I went with her and safely. But we'd go down these big slides, uh, like the balloon, the, the blow up slides. And she loves it. But slide, daddy, slide. And in the water, it's the same thing. Like, I'll tr- I have to be near her. We, we, we don't even, we don't leave her side at the bathtub because of that. Because she would, you know, she's done it before. I'm st- sitting there next to the bathtub. And she all of a sudden dives under. <laughs> and then, and she starts laughing. Well, she chokes. She almost, almost to where she's vomiting, and she's done. And then she does it again. You're like, all right, you, I hope you learn your lesson. Don't do that again. And she does it right, right back. She's daddy's so, daughter, though. Yeah, she is daddy's daughter, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but, but that's what we're working with. You know, a lot of, a lot of kids just have no fear. Nothing's gonna happen. That's bad. Daddy's there. So, you know, and so we don't. We can't leave her even at this point in in the you know, the tub by herself for even a minute, right? I mean, I'm sure that's one of the focuses that. Well, you yeah, guys... you just said that you know it, we need to always have eyes on if anybody's out in the water. And Absolutely, there's... yeah. A child can drown in less than two inches of water. Yeah. So I mean, it, you know, when Kristen brought up buckets and you know those are things you don't really think about. I but, didn't think about that until you said that. that. Yeah, we see ch- children drowning in a bucket or um, something that isn't a traditional swimming environment. Well, so y'all do this these reviews. You have the data. So what next? Y'all just look for any opportunity to get out there and, and share the information. Do y'all work with American Red Cross? What I mean, With the data, where does it go? Yeah, so we try to do a lot of different reports and recommendations to go out to community partners. So, you know, for, for instance, for the regional panels, they have a lot of community partners. So we, we try to push out our information about that. Um, we also do partner with Pool Safely and then also Safe Kids. So Safe Kids is another great organization, nonprofit, that focuses on child injury prevention um, to get the materials out. So at different events, we pass out brochures and, and fact sheets and things like that. Um, we also apply for grants and go for funding that can help support some of these programs. So a few years back, we um, did receive the Pool Safely grant that helped us um, do free swim lessons in different regions of the state. The bad thing about that is it's, you know, it's a grant, so it ended, unfortunately, but we, we were able to give, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I want to say over 300 kids free nice. swim lessons from that funding. Oh, that's um, wonderful. So, yeah, so we do that, Who too. Who probably would have never signed up for a class had oh, it not absolutely. been for the grant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So we keep up, we, we keep the, the, those kind of opportunities open, too. So lots of good extra effort, but look at look at what's happening because of it so well we appreciate the conversation thank you so much for for all you do a couple other quickies yeah, yeah i was gonna just say to i just saw it on your face there's got to be something to I add mean, let us learn from you well, yeah um, i think um another important issue is you know just like we talked about parents not knowing how to swim but you need to learn how to swim but you also need to learn cpr so if you're going to be monitoring mm-hmm. the kids of course you should know how to swim because you may have to jump in to save the kid but even though even though you, you have that education, if you want to get that CPR, please get a CPR certificate because should the worst happen, then you have the ability to save that lives. And then 
beyond that, I would, would always recommend that if, if you have a near driving, drowning experience with a child, um, or an adult for that matter, if somebody uh, gets in a pool, they go underwater, you get them out, they, you might shake them or, or start doing mouth-to-mouth on them, and they come around and they say, I'm fine, I'm fine. Those people all need to go to the hospital and be examined at the emergency room because they can develop post-complications from near-drowning and, and, um, and die as a result of that. So anybody who has a near-drowning experience needs to be evaluated in the emergency room by, by a physician. These are great tips. These are, I mean, these are life-saving tips and information that um, are powerful. We all need to know this and share. I have just one more, and that's if, especially on open water, um, that children wear U.S. Appro- U.S. Coast Guard approved life jackets. So something I know it's not always the trendy thing to do for, especially those teenage teenage years. Um, but it's really, really important, especially on open water. And you know, we had some kind of high profile drownings on on Lake Pontchartrain in the Gulf. Say, so yes, yeah. So in, in, in life every jackets. community, I feel, especially over the summer, like you just heard these horrific stories. Yeah, that could have been prevented. I had a friend of on the fire service and he, he was out fishing by himself with his dog and um, he had one of those automatically inflating life preservers on and he hit a, a bridge abutment with his boat and threw him out and it knocked him out and he would have, he would never have made it had he not had that, that life preserver that's inflated when it hit the water. So um, that, like going back to what Kristen said, that's very important when you're on the open water to have some type of approved life safety device. Right. Wear it. Not only have it, put it on. Right, wear it, because it doesn't do any good sitting in the bottom of the boat. All right, Kristen, Chris, we appreciate it. Now go back and get to work. (laughs) Come back and join us anytime here at The Gifted Life. We appreciate it. You guys letting us learn from you today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. on the Gifted Life podcast, we take a moment for mental health. Yeah, I think it's mental health. I hear it's something about congruency, but uh, congruent. I think we're about to learn about the Pythagorean theorem or something <laughs> in algebra. I'm proud of you for remembering that back in the day. That's funny, Joey. I don't do math. So <laughs> math is hard. No, this is really a psychological word, congruence. And it was, I don't know if y'all have heard of Carl Rogers, and he kind of came up with this in the 1950s. But it's really about just like what we... What and who we are on the inside matches with basically what and we're doing on the outside, right? So, if it, I mean, you can think of it like this. If I came up and said, hey, Lori, how are you doing today? And a lot of people will be like, what? Great. Yeah, great. Good. It's, it's good. Good. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, it, you're not being vulnerable and you're not being honest if really that's not how things are going. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, our world's kind of turned into this. We really just want – we've kind of been trained for it. We just really want to – I'm doing good. Okay, good. Me too. I'll see you later. Quick, go fast. Yeah. yeah. Let's move it. Because if I start talking, we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> yeah. And we're all going to – you know, there's a level of congruency. I mean, it, we're not going to always be 100% honest. I mean – like you've heard somebody say, hey, how do these jeans look on me? Or how's my hair look today? Well, I mean, sometimes you might want to not be so honest and uh, <laughs> you want to be encouraging. So you look really nice today. But but yeah, so it's really about trying to be honest and understanding what's going on in your thoughts and how you're feeling and conveying that by your actions on the outside. And, you know, sometimes 
and 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 I'm going to take it down a notch and, and not laugh about it, but it's it's real, and it's hard. And so we see so many people that really don't share how they're feeling, and we don't take time to make sure because you know honestly, if you do slow down, you can kind of pick up on how somebody's doing. And if you think about, it, I think the the number is 55% body language and 38% of the tone of your voice is conveyed and only 7% are your actual words. And so it's a I lot. That. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's a lot easier to um you know use words, but it's hard to to kind of lie about what your body's saying. And I don't know, like if you really want to be real with somebody, you've got to like try to find that congruency yourself and be vulnerable and and talk to people and allow them to share what they need. Uh, I think when you're incongruent, it doesn't feel right and it's supposed to not feel good. And that's because your body is telling you, hey, you're not being real. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of cool because I was reading about horses. Uh, I don't know much about horses. Love horses. I think they're beautiful animals. Um, I've ridden some a little bit, but I don't know a lot about the um, about their mannerism. But it's it's a lot. There's therapy with horses, um, mm-hmm. and that's because they said horses can pick up if you're congruent or mm-hmm. not, and that they don't care if you're angry. But if you're showing that you're angry or frustrated, they see it and they can sense it. They are curious about you and they will approach you. But if they see that maybe your mannerism is angry. And but maybe inside soft or vice versa, they they pull back mm-hmm. because they realize that there is something that is off. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? That is weird. But I can certainly see that with, you know, because we actually had horses. I grew up with horses and okay. rode horses. And and if if someone was, you know, say, yeah, I want I'm going to ride. I want to ride. But then and you get on and they're not overtly saying anything that they're they're scared, but they are. Mm-hmm. The, the horses are sensing that, and yeah. and they'll act differently with someone who's oh. who's confident, comfortable, versus someone who's apprehensive, nervous. You know, the horses are com- the same horse will react completely different to to the two, even though they're both sitting. You know, it's not like they're. It's not like for for me, I can't really sense it as well as a horse can, and it's right. It's, Right. Uh, and, you know, there's something about awareness. And I think that's what the horses have. I mean, they, and it's it's something that I want to have more of is just the 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 way to really be true to yourself is to kind of pay attention to what's going on in your thoughts and how you're feeling and see if they're really matching up with what you're doing. And if they're not kind of doing a pause and um, just seeing like what's going on and the more honest you can be with yourself is going to be a great place to start on, on finding congruency. I like it. Maybe you have a topic you'd like for us to cover here at The Gifted Life. All you have to do is shoot us an email, info at thegiftedlife.org. In our question and answer segment today, I'm a registered donor. We love that. I understand that hospitals will notify LOPA if I pass away at the hospital, but how does LOPA find out if I pass away at home or outside a hospital? Can I still be a donor? So, well, perfect timing on this question because I, we just heard from Mr. Chris Noblock of the St. Tammany Coroner's Office. They are one of the participating coroner's offices that do call in deaths to LOPA. It is not a mandate uh, for coroners. Uh, it is a mandate for hospitals to call in every death. But uh, but coroners in general, most coroners, uh, parishes, most offices do call in 
death to Lopa so that the opportunity of donation isn't lost uh, to those that, that don't pass away at a hospital, that do pass away at home or anywhere outside of a traditional hospital setting. So so we work with the coroners very regularly. Uh, you know, as you can tell in our interaction here, it's 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 a it's certainly a partnership uh, with with them, and and uh, that's one of the main ways that we'll outside of hospitals that we'll get referrals in. We welcome all questions. So if you have a question, give us a call five zero four six four eight three four seven seven. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero is Kobe Pressenbeck, and we learn about Kobe from his family. He was a loving son and best friend. He enjoyed parkour and free running. His dream was to earn a business degree and to open his own gym. He decided to become an organ donor when he got his license. It gives me peace knowing he was able to save many lives. He will always be my hero. We pause and say thank you to Colby for the gift of life. Another episode of The Gifted Life in the books. That's episode 199. Thanks for listening, everyone. Tell your friends. And remember, you can register anytime as an organ, eye, and tissue donor at registerme.org. Yeah, guys, we obviously did something a little bit different. It wasn't directly uh, related to organ donation, but we are trying to help promote some public service announcements. And, you know, clearly, if someone does pass away, we want them to say yes to organ donation, but it is important for us to also be out in the community and promoting some of those things that are preventative, such as drownings like we talked about today. So very special thanks to Chris Noblock and Kristen Sanderson for coming on and spreading that information, helping us to spread the word about something that's so preventable and it's such a sad, tragic uh, time when we see someone who's drowned. Learning. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Education is key. The best place to find us, guys, at our website, thegiftedlife.org. Listen there and find links to listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating. It really helps others find our podcast. And if you didn't know, we're on Facebook, The Gifted Life Podcast. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at gifted life pod check us out there and then go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen for one big team until next time this is a production of the louisiana organ procurement agency or lopa the gifted life is hosted by Lori Steele, joey boudreau and nala schwab our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Caraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. <laughs>